Hello and welcome to the Mallow Street podcast. Today I'm speaking to Hans von Merten. He's a professor of European pensions law at Utrecht University in the Netherlands and also a practicing litigation lawyer and consultant. Hans, welcome. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Sandra. Hans, you're, you're an expert uh, on CDC pensions and with the UK now introducing CDC, uh, many people are looking to the Netherlands. Maybe you can explain how does UK CDC differ from Dutch CDC in your view? Well, uh, first and foremost, again, thank you for the invitation. Uh, very uh, nice to be here. Although uh, this way, unfortunately, maybe we can meet live next time. Uh, CDC, uh, collective defined contribution, of course, uh, in the Netherlands is an old, relatively old concept. Although old, it's in the beginning of the uh, 2000s, it's a, it existed already. Uh, but there, the legal the, the biggest difference between the UK and the Netherlands is that the legal character in the Netherlands of most CDC schemes, some, about 90%, is a DB character. So, and that's where the confusion, I think, starts because I had a lot of discussions also with uh, English lawyers and English experts on this. And there, uh, the CDC, of course, has a DC, a money purchase character. Huh? So the biggest difference between those two concepts is basically the legal characterization or the legal labeling of the contract. Mm -hmm. And in the Netherlands, um, where you call CDC a DB scheme, it leads to a lot of confusion and misunderstanding in my view. And that's the main cause, I would say, for the miscommunication almost to the participants. Mm -hmm. And and in the Netherlands, that seems to have led to quite dramatic changes. So the Netherlands is currently in the middle of a pensions reform moving yep. away from CDC to DC. Yep. What went wrong in your view? Why is it being abandoned? Well, you know, uh, to get back one step before, um, you know, and I highlighted that already, the biggest, I think, source of misunderstanding is what do we exactly understand about um, what do we exactly uh, mean when we talk about CDC, DC and DB, you know, there are all kinds of different definitions about this. Um, as I said, in the Netherlands, basically in the Pension Act, you have two flavors, eh? a DB scheme and a DC scheme, but they're completely uh, different from the UK system. Whereas DB schemes, you can touch upon, you know, uh, but Dutch DB, of course, under circumstances, you can interfere with the accrued rights. So that's already the first difference. So I would say that the Dutch DB is in English terms, maybe a CDC or a DC scheme. Even. Um, so what happens is that when you call a CDC scheme a DB scheme, but it's actually a DC scheme, as I said, it leads to misunderstanding to the participants, with the participants, because they think my pension is secured. It's secure. Mm, yeah. mm. I have a right to a certain pension. And what we see the last few years in the Netherlands is that these rights have been reduced all the time. Yeah? Every year there's a new discussion on, okay, how do we keep the pension funds finally uh, financially sustainable? And how can we keep the accrued rights basically guaranteed between brackets? Yeah, that all only can be done by reducing the rights, huh? funny enough. Um, and that, of course, uh, leads to a lot of anger 
And the ministry and the minister and the Dutch state basically said, okay, we have to get rid of this system. We have to get rid of the system and we have to move towards a system which is DC also, not only in theory, but also legally speaking, technically in the Pension Act. You know, we from now on give the DB contract a DC uh, label. And that prevents, of course, the um, uh, extent of guarantees that you communicate to the participants. So hopefully, yeah. he thinks, they think, the Dutch state thinks, that will lead to less um, yeah, anger, confusion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, that, and that's, as you said, of course, exactly what the UK um, will be doing. It will put yeah. DC footing, essentially. And that, that's what I like very much about the, the UK CDC approach, you know, um, although it's complicated, but we'll get to that later. But at least, you know, they give the uh, character of the CDC scheme a DC money purchase label. And that's, I think, much more fairer and more honest than giving it a DB label. Mm -hmm. And and do you think um, there could still be a misunderstanding with members about how secure the benefits are, considering well, it's not called DC? Yeah, well, in the Netherlands, you know, um, as I said, we're moving from a DB to a DC contract. All the old rights uh, have to be converted into a DC scheme. At least that's the plan now of the ministry. And in the DC scheme, of course, you have no guarantees. And most uh, participants, but also pensioners say, okay, but wait a second, at least on, in theory, my rights were secured before, and now they are not anymore. Uh, of course, in the pure DC scheme, there is no guarantee, but we build in, at least that's the plan, they build in a sort of a solidarity buffer, which more or less then, you know, tries to um, uh, simulate, as it were, a sort of guarantee, at least. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, it's not a legal guarantee, but it's a sort of a yeah, synthetic guarantee, if you will. Yeah. yeah? Okay. So the solidarity buffer must secure in the DC scheme, at least there's a certain amount of certainty yeah, that this guarantee can be met. But of course, it leads to all kinds of complications, you know. Who does this solidarity buffer belong to? How much money does it go into? Can you transfer it to the next, uh, uh, you know, um, pension fund? Yeah, all the, those kinds of questions raise a lot of uncertainty and unclarity. So, um, and what's so? For example, in the UK, Royal Mail, which is the first um, employer that will introduce CDC, has said they will not have a buffer for intergenerational fairness reasons, as you've just pointed out. Um, what's preferable, in your view, to have a buffer or not to have a buffer? Well, um, there are two things. You know, first, uh, I'm a big uh, um, fan, so to say, of a tontine pep structure. Huh? So, but I'm also I'm, I'm, I'm also seeing that accrued rights, accrued DB rights, cannot be touched upon. You know, in principle, the Court of Justice recently also stated that under very limited circumstances, um, you can touch upon the property rights, and I think that that's logical. In the tontine system, of course, there are no buffers. And the risk sharing is between the members of the scheme, basically. Um, it's then a matter, of course, how do you define the group of participants? Is it closed or open? Huh? Um, we can discuss that. 
But at least the basic feature of a tontine system is that the risk sharing is between the participants and that there is then no need for buffer, you know, because all the uh, pros and cons, you know, of the, um, um, uh, for example, the stock change or whatever, you know, the financial markets, they are shared between the members. So there's no external buffer needed anymore. And that's, of course, um, also very similar to what we already know also in the Netherlands. It's called the Premium Pension Institution, um, which is a DC vehicle only, and also does now the payout phase, where also in the payout phase, the risks of long life, for example, are shared between the members all the time. Yeah? Um, so there's no insurance in the traditional solvency two sense, as it were, uh, present anymore, because everything is shared between the members. Yeah, that's the basic feature of Conti. And yeah. that's what I very much like and see also in the UK happening, because there is, if I understood it correctly, I don't know all the ins and outs, of course, yet of the, um, of the UK CDC schemes, because they're not uh, actually law yet, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, at least there's a risk sharing between members and no buffers present there. So it's very much similar to a Tontine system, I would say. Mm -hmm. Okay, so no buffer is preferable for you. Okay. Exactly, yeah. When you have a Tontine system, there's no need for an extra buffer. And again, you know, if you try to build in that solidarity buffer as in the Netherlands, you only, in my view, complicate things further. It might be needed in the pure DB system, of course, because then... You know, the guarantees have to be met. But in the top team-like structure, you don't need to have this. Yeah, okay. And it seems you have, you have a, you're quite um, positive about the UK version of CDC. Are there any risks that you see that could affect it? Well, I think the main challenge is that you should avoid um, the pitfalls that we had in the Netherlands regarding CDC. But that is already dealt with yeah? um, because it's not communicated that you can derive rights from the CDC schemes. So that's what really uh, the legislator in the UK also should prevent doing. And I think that is what's happening already. Um, and the biggest challenge after that is then, of course, okay, how do you communicate how it works? Because um, maybe you've read of seeing the article I wrote with um, the lawyer. Uh, Mark Gilsandeep, um, and um, the, the UK version of CDC is still, I think, behind the scenes complicated. Now, it's not easy to explain how it actually works. Yeah. Um, of course, that's logical, you know, because I don't know also how a car works. Eh? You know, I, I don't know all the details as long as it works, you know, mm -hmm. it's fine. But still, you know, you need to have a sort of a, a basic level of understanding of taking the participants along because that's very important. And if that doesn't happen, you know, uh, then we have a problem. I don't know how it's perceived in the UK right now, the, the CDC scheme, which a Royal Mail wants to roll out. But it's very important, you know, that it uh, can count on support of the participants in the end. And that, that's what I also see uh, as the biggest challenge for the PEP, you know, the European Pension Product, which is coming uh, in 2022. It's an individual pension account. And there also, you know, reliability is very important. And um, that's the biggest challenge. Yeah. So would you say trust? Could, you, yeah. could it be summed up as trust? 
Okay. Exactly. And uh, a big difference, for example, in the Netherlands, we have this mandatory participation. Eh? You don't have that in the UK. Yeah. Um, and that also sometimes works um, um, not in favor of the trust issue, I would say, because you have to be, you are obliged to participate in a certain scheme as a member. You know, you don't even have the choice. And in the UK, it's organized, of course, differently. Yes, although the individual member doesn't really have a choice which scheme the employer exactly. does yeah. either. Um, and in the UK, obviously, we, we had auto-enrollment, we have defined contribution, which is becoming established. Yeah. Do you think there is really, from the outside, do you think there's really a chance that employers will embrace CDC and they can have DC? Well, um, difficult question. <laughs> Um, you might know uh, the European Commission, you know, they started the tender uh, of the auto-involvement system and they look very much to the experiences in the UK. Right. And they think, um, the European Commission thinks, and a few other member states, but also the UK has, a, of course, a rich tradition with auto-involvement and an opt-out mechanism. And the idea is to roll it out European-wide. And that's a very interesting thought because they also see that will the CDC schemes will be uh, successful, you need skill. You need a lot of participants to enter that scheme. And how can you achieve that? Not, I think, by mandatory participation, but maybe by enrollment, by auto-enrollment with an opt-out mechanism. So that's one of the ideas which is now being explored. Again, the idea is to have an auto-enrollment on the European level. And I would encourage, encourage that to happen with an opt-out system probably. Okay, yeah, that's that's interesting. And then, of course, you know, employers might think that's uh, attractive and interesting because then there's an auto-enrollment system and also the participants might find it interesting because they can join if they want and they can opt out if they don't, you know? So you give them the choice and that's very important, I think. Yeah, but if uh, auto-enrollment is applied to CDC, then would that perhaps work better in countries that did not already have an established DC system? Yeah, probably, probably better than the other way around. Yeah? Probably better than uh, when you have an established DB system already and you have to convert it to CDC, you know. But when you have a DC system and then move to CDC, that might, of course, yeah, that, that might encounter some problems also with the yeah, um, uh, trust issue again, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And... Um what about uh, in the UK also, of course, we have the pension freedoms. Uh, people can take their entire savings out. Yeah. And, and the intention is to, to maintain that. Um, how does that interact with CDC? Well, it, it, I would say it's much more easier to uh, be compatible with the freedoms if you, as you have in the UK, as long as you don't have these buffers, you know. And if you introduce a sort of um, personal pension account attached to the CDC scheme, which is very well possible, I think that is exactly what is happening with this Tontine PEP. You know, you can also organize it on a collective scale. But uh, at the same time, you have a personal pension account, which is much easier to transfer from A to B than when you have a pension account with a so-called solidarity buffer, you know? Because then you enter all in you know, all kinds of difficulties. So I would say it's perfectly compatible these four freedoms or these freedoms, um, as long as you introduce at the same time sort of an 
uh, individual account, which you can transfer independent, I would say, of your employer. Mm -hmm. Even independent of your employment at all. And that's, I think, the beauty of the PEP. You know, it completely attaches the, it leaves, uh, basically, it steps outside of the second and third pillar discussion, you know. Is something a third pillar? Is it DB? Is it CDC? Is it a, maybe a life savings third pillar part, for, uh, product? You know, it completely is pillarless, I would say. Even. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also one of the beauties of it. So it can be occupational, but it can also be not occupational, the PEP. So I think that's uh, the advantage of it. You can organize it collectively, but also purely individually. Yeah, okay. Of course, we don't know yet whether the UK will ever have a PEP. Uh, well, um, not sure, because there are providers out there, you know, which are also, um, the question is, of course, will, the, will, the, will they be established in the UK? That's another question. But at least they are uh, thinking about uh, establishing a PEP compartment for the UK. Right. Yeah. So it, it will enter the UK market, I think, uh, in any case. But the question is how, of course, eh? will will be established in the UK market itself or not? And yeah. I must be honest, uh, some providers choose to be active on the mainland, even UK providers, which I talked to, yeah. uh, they are planning to establish themselves on the on the continent. So to say. Okay. Yeah. Um, coming back to to uh, UK CDC, um, in the Netherlands. There has been some intervention from politicians about the um, the benefit reductions that mm -hmm. should have occurred. Um, yeah. In the UK, they say, well, because it's DC, we can get around that. There's no risk that this will happen. But do you see a way that this could still be, go to court, for example, or that politicians could still intervene? Uh, in the UK, you mean? Yes. Well, in the Netherlands, you know, it um, has a lot to do with the fact that pensions are political, you know, mm -hmm. um, and um, the um, unrest in society when uh, the cutting of benefits threatens is enormous. Yeah, it reaches the papers, the daily papers on um, on a daily basis, I would say, yeah, that, uh, that, that this is going to or not happen has to do with the fact in the Netherlands that politicians interfere because um, there's a lot of civil unrest, you know, when cuttings uh, threaten. Because people say, okay, wait a second, I have a guaranteed DB scheme, now you're cutting my rights, what's going on here? And then all of the time, for the last 20 years already, the government um, basically postponed the reductions, you know? Uh, in some cases they didn't, but in most cases they did. Or they um, uh, lowered down the um, threshold where you should cut the rights. You know, it used mm. to be 104%, it's now 90%. Yeah. Not like, for example, ABP, the biggest Dutch mandatory pension fund for the civil servants, has now a coverage ratio of 92%. So it's 2% above the threshold of 90%, where they should be cut. And they are very happy, but let's not forget, the threshold was 104. No? Yes. So it's been uh, narrowed down by the politicians all the time, I would say, because nobody dares, you know, to be an unpopular politician, basically, responsible for those cutting of rights. But I think it has a lot of 
to do with, the, again, the legal character of the contract. You know, in the DC scheme, in the pure DC scheme, I don't see political influence that much that quickly happen because mm -hmm. these rights are not guaranteed, yeah? mm -hmm. in theory. So I don't immediately see that politicians can interfere yeah, in the pure DC scheme. So the, 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 the danger is less present, I would say, in the UK than in the Netherlands. Okay. Of course, you never know, huh? you never know. <laughs> no, we never know, indeed. No. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you very much, Hans. That's, that was a really uh, interesting. <laughs>